Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Universe Podcast. I'm your host Leo, here with Ellie, Hi. Florentina, Hello. and James. Hello. Hello everybody. You've all been on this podcast before, so we'll just skip the introduction for now. But since our topic today is poetry, and all of you are poets, I'd like you to try and describe the kind of poetry you write in a couple of sentences. Who wants to start? If you can. I mean, you can, I can give you some time to think about it. <laughs> what, why do you, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> Shall I start? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a... Uh, I don't know. I, I was jokingly like to describe it as very egocentric because most of it isn't really anybody else's, else's experiences. It's my experiences, my feelings, I guess, and thoughts and ramblings. And the speaker could also, could in most cases be considered to be myself, which is why I, uh, on Halloween, I went as, as the speaker of my poems. <laughs> and also because I don't like dressing up, but if you go as yourself, you don't really need to dress up. I can definitely say that for me, it's self-expressive as well. So it's just me writing down my own experiences or the feelings that I get from my own experiences. So it's not necessarily about anything else than that. So self-expression. So mine, I would also say egocentric and more of the struggles that I go through. So I would say it's more like on a darker scale, um, just like mental struggles and emotional struggles, like all kinds of, yeah, it's not like, it doesn't sound super positive <laughs> in my poetry. But I guess it's about, um, it's a coping mechanism. So I also understand why it can be a little bit like gloomy, but there's always some kind of hope in it too. Mm. So, yeah. I would certainly also describe my poetry as a coping mechanism to pick up on the term, but not as, not necessarily as egocentric because um, my poetry mostly deals with a certain topic or image and I try to describe my emotions or feelings towards that through describing that image or concept and my poetry is heavily influenced by 19th century poetry and mostly sticks to meter and rhyme. Yeah, um, I, I guess in some ways um, my experience sort of compared to you guys be somewhat close to Florentina's in the I... Yeah, I, I certainly, I think it's probably true of most people who write poetry that there's a degree of kind of coping mechanism and expression there. But I certainly, the reason it kind of works as a mechanism like that for me is that it kind of is about fitting those feelings into kind of metrical structures or expressing them via kind of reflecting them in other things that uh, exist or happen in the world. Um I guess the sort of, I mean, my poetry is like really quite all over the place in terms of style. Sometimes there's a much more kind of modern blank versey feel, but I think there's also a lot of influence from, um, there's some bits of 19th century, but there's certainly also some bits of kind of English kind of folk poetry and um, folk music lyrics and that kind of ballad style, which I kind of play around with and pull around with quite a lot um, as a way of just, yeah, almost even sometimes creating stories via poems that can then mm. impose some sort of order on whatever is going on in my head. <laughs> and there are often stories in poems. Isn't that something timeless? 
and not necessarily connected to a particular style? I think so, but I think it's it's quite depend like how much of a story there is and how developed the story that I think is quite stylistically dependent. Um, in the even with a sort of very like uh, in, like pure emotion expressive poem there's a story like implied in that there's a story behind that but you don't get the sort of full you don't get a kind of narrative of characters and events in it you get a sort of snapshot of a point in it whereas I think a ballad style lends itself more to something that could be kind of then like spun out because you do usually flesh out what's going on more than what people are thinking Okay, yeah, I, I get that point. Okay, but by story, I meant um, some kind of plot, not necessarily characters with names or anything like that, just yeah, the yeah. storyline. I feel like there's somewhat of a divide here on the table with <laughs> you and me sitting on this side of the table and you two guys <laughs> sitting on the other side of the table where yeah. the people who almost never use any kind of formal meter yeah. or anything and uh, you guys <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just staying here nodding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, do you think formal style is? I mean, it obviously is important to you guys if you, you use it. Um, for me, I think I think I, I think it's very difficult because even though and I, I I've learned you know what the kind of meters are stuff like that, and I I, I always tend to forget them, so I look it up again. Uh, <laughs> but even if I looked it up. Right now, I have a really hard time. I've tried before. I have a really hard time coming up with something that fits into that because kind of I find it a bit inhibiting uh, to keeping to those structures. It works well for a couple of lines, but then I kind of want to break out and I want to leave it. Just <laughs> there's one solution for not finding the right word to fit in a gap: make up one. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. I do have to admit that that's not the ideal solution to the problem, but it definitely is one, and you can do it once in a while. Mm -hmm. I think it's really funny when you when you literally. Uh, that's just my kind of humor when you uh, literally <laughs> translate words from one la language into the other. You take like German compound words and put them into English. I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> I I always love the fact that the um, what in. English, we call the edible dormouse, and in German, it's the Siebenschleifer. In English, that's the seventh sleeper. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just a wonderful term. <laughs> but still, I mean, what's it in English? Edible dormouse? The edible dormouse. So you can, like, as in, you can eat it. Yeah. Edible. The, 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 we have, like, the Romans ate them. We have Roman era recipes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the Romans also ate, like, uh, what they, like, uh, the tongues of, uh, yeah. like, flamingos. Oh, they, really? they were fancy oh, like wow. ones. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. What I would say is for me, it's not liberating enough, or it's, I feel like it's captivating me. Like, it's not, um, it's like preventing me from expressing myself freely because I feel like if I pay attention to the structure and the style, I'm just gonna shift away from my content. And for me, content matters more than form. So, and some of my poetry, like some of my lines, they actually rhyme, but that is completely coincidental. And I love it when it does, but I can never ever plan it. It's very strange, but 
I feel like it's just also the poetry. Like when I read it, it feels more free. But that doesn't mean I don't like the ones with the like strict form and structure. When it works, it works perfectly. But I'm like personally not like able to do that. But also like again, like it's my personality, like the way I express myself, I feel more free doing like not paying attention to the form and structure. Weirdly enough, I don't feel restricted at all, even though I mostly stick to meter and rhythm, meter and rhyme. But the play of finding synonyms and words that sound better go together or rhyme um, within, within that amount of word or space that you're given. To me, it's another layer of work and most of the time improves my work, I mm-hmm. feel. I actually do that too, to be honest. Like, I think of one word in the beginning and then I'm like, hmm, what are the alternatives? And I always have like the czars open and <laughs> like looking up like new words. But again, like not necessarily for rhyming, but maybe, okay, like I want this meaning, but there could be a stronger word that'll convey that meaning. Mm-hmm. So you write your poems on several sittings. That's what I always wonder. I mean, it must take you so much longer to mm-hmm. come up with a finished poem uh, that fits into everything. No, not necessarily. Um, my poems do take some time to write, but that's just because I'm a perfect perfectionist and really <laughs> edit my poems several times before okay. reading them at the oh, that's, that, I mean, that's... Uh, Ideal, isn't it? I mean, it shows oh, how much you care. Yeah, that's I, I actually almost never take more than one sitting to write a poem, and I almost never edit poems. Um, I mean, often often a poem will have taken a while to form, but it will be in the sense of there's usually... Usually I find there's, like, a hook for a poem. There's, mm. you know, a line or a concept or an image... And that will often you know, be sitting in my head for maybe a day or two. Um, but then I sit down and I produce the poem. And often if I don't produce it in one sitting, it doesn't get finished. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. Have you never been stuck in the middle of a poem where you just don't know how you want to continue it? Because um, that happens to me quite a lot. I, can't, I I usually do. I usually find that I just kind of push through that and get something down if I think it's worth getting something down for. And you don't edit it afterwards if you come up with something better. Very rarely. Um, the um, I mean, what, yeah, it's something I sort of maybe once or twice a year I'll find a poem that I actually do want to tweak, but usually it's. I think it's also helped by the fact that often I find that the kind of hook lines and so on I have for poems are often the like end point of the poem. Mm. So it's it's either the start or the end, but it's often more usually that I kind of have an idea of of how I'm going to round it off or what the kind of final point is. Mm. So that helps me not end up get, getting stuck in the middle because... I just sort of need to push through the middle to the point I want to be at at the end. Um, okay, yeah, for me it's always the other way around. Yeah. I always know the beginning but not the end. For me mm. too, yeah, yeah. Or like, as you said, a theme, like recently, uh, yeah. the idea of having your hair on fire. <laughs> Got a more exciting question now. So, there's loads of issues and topics in poetry that are kind of... You know, they've been done before, and they've been done before quite often. So my question would be, if you could choose one topic and ban it, so no poet could ever, like, 
write a poem about it again, what would it be? I don't feel that strongly about any topic, yeah. honestly. I mean, I before picking a topic, I like obliged to say that I that my strongest opinion on this is that you should never ban anybody from like <laughs> writing on topics. It's a um, theoretical question. However, <laughs> however. Like, if I was, you know, forced at gunpoint to ban a poetry topic... Um, As it happens to you in the street daily. <laughs> I mean, it, you know my life. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, I'd probably go for, like, that sort of particular stage everybody has of the angsty teenage poem. Um, <laughs> I mean, if only because it's a, it is a genre into which, like... I can see where my past self was going with it, and I would rather not anybody have to, like... <laughs> can you, like, define that? How does that look like? Um, Isn't it so common that you see it all over the internet? I've seen, it, seen loads of them on Tumblr. Yeah. Tum- if you go yeah. on Poetry Tumblr, it's, uh, it's creepy. Oh, creepy like, there's, like, quotes and, like, on, like, pictures, they, like... Have this like a couple lines on like the, this cheesy picture, like mm. a couple. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and also the like kind of um, really on the nose, but like underdeveloped kind of angsty, not quite romance poetry you get from like the fifteen-year-old to sixteen-year-old mind. Because <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Just looking back on my output from that era. <laughs> <laughs> this gives me an idea. We should do an episode of the podcast with all the poets, or maybe another one with all the prose writers, where they all bring, you know, it's like a, a fail share where you all bring your, your worst <laughs> poems and the prose writers bring their worst that short stories. So that would be fun. Yes. Yeah. That's an amazing Okay, back to the question. <laughs> Don't hate me, but I would ban love poems. <laughs> there are so many out there. Only very few of them are original by now. And I just feel that if you write new ones, you don't really add anything to that particular kind of poetry story. We've done love at this point. I guess... The question with that though is where, like, what is the boundary of love poetry? Mm-hmm. Is this like romance? Is it like family love? Like, you know, romance. romance. Yeah, um, romance really. I think the problem with that is that in those areas, especially like love and uh, death, like the, the so. biggest thing, I think uh, there's a lot of met- metaphors that are really overused. Mm-hmm. But just, yeah. you know, they've been met, done and done before. I think it's a matter of how you do it, right? Like, not the topic itself, but, like, if you go over the top with your metaphors and the clichés... Yeah, no, it just, like, you know, you you get another one, it's awesome. My love is like a red, red rose. It's like, oh, yours too! (laughs) (laughs) Coincidence! I was also just about to mention (laughs) Rutherford. But I think... uh, something that uh, I never get tired of is uh, seeing different kinds of experiences of love in poetry 
Because I think that's, I mean, especially, you know, with uh, societies being more restrictive in the past, uh, there's a lot of material that only now can <coughs> go out, uh, and lots of writers that only now can properly spe- express themselves. Mm-hmm. I totally get that, but Francis Brodea was pretty progressive for his time. And have you taken a look at, um, say, Bo Chaplin's or... Rupi Kaur's love poems. Because, yes, I have, yeah. Yeah. You don't like them? No. Yeah. Um, I think Rupi Kaur was very, very popular, but I, I've never, I haven't really read enough of her to, uh, to uh, make a judgment, really. I tried to get into Milk, on, milk and Honey or um, All the Sun and Her Flowers several times, but I always got stuck after a few pages because her poetry doesn't speak to me at all. Mm. It's, I think it's very heavy on cliches and um, overused metaphors and simplicity. Mm. It certainly is. A, it makes a point of being as simple as possible, which isn't a bad thing. I I do enjoy that. Um, yeah, but there's some of the really short poems that are really just plain thoughts written out mm. that they look artistic. I've also got in mind uh, a big debate episode on on contemporary poetry where we have like two sides and everybody brings examples. I actually know, I actually love that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because um, I discovered Alex L during the summer. Um, I think Olivia mentioned her to me before, but I never got the chance to like um, look her up or get her books. And uh, it was also very coincidental because there was... Uh, there's something like a fair, and I saw this book called Neon Soul, and it just looked, it was like screaming for me to like go grab it, and I um, just took a look, uh, just in some of the random like pages, and it was just like maybe two lines, but it just said so much, like even just, I think she had like poems pages, like where she only had three words, but it just, it connected so well with one another and it just speaks to you so strongly that I, actually, I bought it, I, it's like my Bible, I can't go around without it, <laughs> and like, I reread it so many times and every time I can find more meanings inside and I don't understand, like, how can a person design that like how can you say so little sometimes but just talk too much like there's so much more meaning behind mm. it um and because of that i really like that that like maybe she didn't stick with like from before like the poetry from before where you have like longer um more lines and <clears throat> more sophisticated words or just like form and structure and everything and she just wrote down her thoughts and it looked artistic, you know, as you said, it just looked so, there, even like how she changed into the next line, like it just, it was just so intentional. So for me, that was like, I think that's like my best example of a contemporary, like, poetry, poem. Yeah, I mean, I feel almost, um, to like throw a bit of a random curveball into this, one of the things is that we kind of lump a lot of... I mean, we basically lump any form of doing, like, 
artistic stuff with words that isn't straight up prose writing. Mm. We dump it all into a category and call it poetry. <laughs> um, and they're really, I mean, the sort of um, like comparing some a sort of like folky style ballad writing piece with the sort of like art writing you're talking about. They're just such, you know, it's they're just such completely different art forms. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we do kind of all dump them into the same category and I think maybe give them a kind of equivalence that doesn't always work. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is true, yeah. To get back to Ellie, I, I do get your point and um, there's an amazing poem of Bo Taplin that's called Broken Waves. I don't know by heart, but it's my favourite poem of his. And it is quite amazing even though it's only like, two or four lines. And um, I have to add um, concerning contemporary poetry that there um, is Mary Oliver. Mary recommended one of her books to me a while ago, and she's the only contemporary poet I've found so far that I really like. And her poems are also quite simplistic in, in style and language. Nevertheless, there's so much meaning and depth to them. But yeah, she's really only exceptional. I think that's my favorite kind of poetry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's yeah. very coincidental that I find a book. As I said, I was on a fair and like it just looks so much, so interesting. Just even the name, Neon Soul, I, it, it felt like it was calling me. So, and I got it. It is a good name. Yeah, I was in the That would be exactly the kind of book I wouldn't pick up. Different kinds well, of poets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> different kinds of types of tables. <laughs> so let's go to the next uh, big issue. We talked about that last time about poetry slams, and uh, yeah. neither you nor I have ever been to a poetry slam, or have you been to I, one in the no, meantime? I no. Okay. I really like to. I How heard about guys? them in New York, and I was like, oh, they have it in Vienna too, I should yeah. go to one when I'm back. And I actually mentioned it in the group, I think, in the um, community group, mm-hmm. and some of you guys were like, yeah, um, it's a bit of a competitiveness in it. Yeah, so we talked about that last time with Charlotte, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I've never been in one, maybe it's more like giving feedback rather than competing, like it's just, no, I mean, it's, it's the traditional sense. It, it, well, Charlotte explained it last time and it seems to be really competitive. Mm-hmm. Okay, because uh, a friend of mine was at one of those, or like she was doing them for a while and she's like, it's it's like the traditional sense, yes, like the poetry slam, like in its meaning is competition, but actually it's not as, like it's not a negative competition, it's more like people given out our feedback to each other or something. But again, I was never in one, but I really want to check it out because I think yeah. it's very, it's something progressive. I want to be a part of it, like just to, yeah, hear from other authors and just, yeah. I just really like the, the kind of public aspect of it because writing poetry can be such a solitary experience. And I think, uh, it's kind of um, it's a nice counterpart to that, taking what you've done outside of that. And uh, also there's the performance aspect uh, to that. I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, it's sort of, uh, as I say, with, well, I was just saying the different bits of poetry being sort of different art forms in some ways. Mm-hmm. 
performance poetry really transforms it into yet another different sort of art form because it's yeah it like I've never I mean I've never done a poetry slam but I have done kind of spoken word storytelling with some with more prose type stuff and that is such a different form to writing and you and you need to write different things for it uh, because just what works on paper and what works when spoken can be really quite different things um, and what works when spoken has to like click in much more closely with you and what you can say and what you can perform um, whereas I think written poetry doesn't I mean you don't have the immediacy that you get with performance but you can maybe there's also some advantages in some ways in not performing things in that you can then almost like universalize them slightly more because you're not writing them for that you know, you don't have to channel it for a particular person if you're just writing it for paper mm. if that makes sense yeah I get that but we've had, I mean, we have all read our poems to groups of people, at least yes. at the universe, which is, uh, at the beginning it was very thrilling, at least it was for me. Uh, it's, yeah, I it's, remember wanting someone else for me, uh, to read my poem instead of me, because I was, like, really shy. I was then, also very nervous. Yeah. It's still daunting to me. Yeah, and now it's, like, it's become very casual yeah. for me, yeah. I'm getting better at it too. I'm much more daunted about reading poetry out than reading prose out at the group sessions. I don't quite know why, but um, yeah. Um, Are poems more personal to you? I don't think so particularly, actually. I mean, my prose is often very, I mean, is at least about as personal as my poetry. Um, I think it's as much that I... I feel like poetry is something that I don't know about in a way that I don't feel with prose. Like, I suppose because I don't have a good... I don't have a terribly good knowledge of, like, other poets through 19th and 20th and 21st centuries. Um, I've not been around the sort of poetry slam scene at all. So I feel sort of disconnected a bit with how the rest of the world does poetry um, and the influences on my poetry are often you know quite eclectic and they come from areas that are sort of outside the like modern western poetry world um, in that they come from you know uh, music and lyrical styles or they come from kind of medieval end things which I actually work on as a historian and so yeah I feel like I'm sort of drawing things in and piling them up in a way that rhymes, so it's technically a poem. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I do still have that sort of nervousness. Maybe just as primarily a prose writer, when I kind of venture into the poetry world. <laughs> I wonder though whether I mean that's true for prose just as much as it is for poetry. Whether you can actually ever be competent, if you know what I mean, like. I mean, how, when, how and when can you consider yourself an, an expert with the right to speak on this? Yeah, I, I, I don't really have this I, I agree, I don't think you can, but I, like, I still have that feeling, even if I know it's not, like, rational in the mm -hmm. circumstance. Um, you could 
get a PhD in literature, but nevertheless... <laughs> that doesn't make you a good poet. I mean, you probably know all the formal characteristics, etc. of the different periods, but nevertheless... But, yeah, yeah, there's nothing true. that says that you have to stick with them, or... Yeah, yeah just, but yeah. universe could be something good for you to, like, experiment in. Mm, sure. You know? It's certainly kind of a safe space for that. I mean, uh, mm. even though it is daunting in the beginning to read there, it does get easier after a while with uh, uh, with time. And I think it's very fruitful, mm -hmm. the whole thing. That's a good way to describe it, reading the universe. Yeah, I do get uh, the feeling sometimes that some of my poems are... are I know that nobody's gonna like judge me or something, but some things are like very personal and I still struggle to like open up that side of me to mm. a bunch of people, even though I've been there for years and people know me and you know, but there is still I think some things, some forms of your art that just stays with you and is meant for you and not for a like bigger audience like I would still publish them in a way but like going there and reading that still like perform that is still like something that makes me nervous yeah because if you publish them it's either somewhere on a screen or somewhere on a sheet of paper it's yeah. not you telling the story it's kind of divorced mm -hmm. from you as a person exactly. and you kind of at the universe you do kind of open yourself up for questions later afterwards mm -hmm. when people ask what you mean with this so then you yeah. might have to if it's very Personal. I mean, you can always refuse. I don't think you you're forced to <laughs> yeah, <of course laughs> tell I, your your tragic backstory <laughs> of the universe. I, I feel like this actually may be uh, again a kind of sides of the table poetry difference because the the kind of opening myself up thing. I don't seem to have that problem with my poetry universe because with me, by the time it's got the by the time the thought or the emotion has got to being in the form of a poem, it's all very like you know, um, wrapped up and sculpted into something, um, which I guess makes it less raw and kind of puts it into something that feels a bit more distant from me, which I think is partly why I write the poems like that, because I, like, often if I'm trying to express something, um, I, I'm not necessarily trying to kind of just vent it straight onto paper. I'm trying to build something that makes sense of it, structures it, like puts it in the context of like other, like I'm pulling in other references that like click into what I'm thinking and make sense of that. And that's what forms the poem. Um, I do get that. But at the same time, some of my poems that are really emotional, just for me personally, um, mostly because of the circumstances and I've written, I wrote them in and because of the background, it sometimes is the case that they come back to haunt me later on. And there are a few lines that are just constantly going around my head and I wish I could get them out, but I couldn't, but I can't because they're catchy in a way. Even, even after you, you've written them down and turned yeah, exactly, them into a poem, they still stay around. Yeah, because um, I usually play with words and phrases and if the thought is on the paper, not in its rawest form anymore and kind of processed into beautiful sounding words, these 
few lines are so much more catchy than the initial thought to me. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it actually enhances your feelings rather than like getting them out of you. It like makes them stronger in you in a way. Yes, in a way. Um, I'm still happy about writing those things down and getting rid of it first, but yeah, they come around to haunting me. Which is really weird. Yeah, I do get that though. I mean, uh, this brings us to, to, the la what, to the next question, what, which is, uh, what is the last poem you wrote? And um, does it still stay with you? Are the lines still going around in your head. Last poem I finished or started? It only says wrote, so you can hear on my, my computer screen, so it could be both. Okay, because I'm writing two poems simultaneously, but yeah, uh -huh. And the interesting thing is that they're both continuation of continuations of other poems, but um, What's supposed, supposed to be a third part is less clear to me than a fourth part and I'm working on a fourth part more than I'm working on a third part and I'm especially starting with the title of the third part because I don't know what I, I should break out of the scheme and yeah, I've been thinking about titles quite a lot over the past few days. Titles are very difficult to me, as you might know. Because <laughs> my poem usually gets a number, yeah, yeah. I don't know, sometimes I find something that's just catchy, but it's like that's, I say that's like 5% of the poems I write. I think mine are usually like you, I start with one word or one line and then that is usually the title of it because mm -hmm. that's like, I start very strong and then I narrow it down kind of, so that's like the theme. <laughs> Yeah. Ideally, I would like the title to give an extra meaning to the poem, and that's mm. quite hard mm. to manage. But about lingering, um, like you said, your words linger in your head afterwards, and that's how we shifted to this question. And I was thinking, because the last poem I wrote is called Remnants, and um, so it's about when you meet a person it's not necessarily like in a romantic sense, but like afterwards you try to like get them out of your head or like maybe, I don't know, you don't see them anymore, but there are things that are so associated with them that you just want to get out of your head and it's like the remnants of them. Um, and I used, I was writing this horror story for Halloween uh, event for the universe and I remember using remnants for um, just to describe the remnants of an abandoned amusement park and Marie afterwards she was like I love that you use this word like it's just it gives it so much more depth and then I thought about it it's actually something from that poem that like lingered in my head that I could make again into that story so yeah I guess it happens to me too that happens to me quite a lot yeah yeah, I, I definitely have idea hooks that can kind of bounce between my different sorts of writing like that. Um, yeah, I mean, the last poem I wrote was called Dark Light, and I, yeah, can probably still remember and quote bits of it. Um, I mean, the sort of um, first and last line of the poem was, there was a dark light on hills today, and that's that was the that was very much the hook that started that poem. So I've still got that 
with me. A lot of the middle bit, I could roughly tell you what it said, but I wouldn't necessarily have all of the, like, mm. words in there. Often in terms of the sort of more kind of detailed bits of the writing of a poem, that's often something that I focus very strongly on when I'm actually writing the poem, but then I don't necessarily keep those with me so much. For me, like, I have I have the, the the lines in my head still often the way they were at first, but then I do some, like, very specific editing and that doesn't really... That's only really for the page, that kind of editing. It's not really for the whole... You know, the feeling of the poem is in that kind of hook that you think yeah. at first from where the poem then grows. I've got another fun question, which is... I was wondering whether there is a poem that you've been meaning to write for a long time but haven't so far. Quite the way that, uh, you know, certain hooks or lines stay around in your head, but you can never, you've not, uh, you, just that you've never written them down yet. Tons. 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 We're all nodding right now. <laughs> I don't have many, actually. I mean, I might have one or two if I thought about it hard, but it for me, it's for me, it's much more the prose writing that hits the back burner, and the um, the poetry. It's usually there's the hook, the poem's written, it's out of the way. I don't usually if I have a hook and it doesn't turn into a poem within about a week, mm. it's probably gone and the poem's not coming anyway. Mm. So I don't. Write it down and save it for later. <laughs> 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 really, it's tragic to lose ideas. They could turn into something really beautiful. But like, if I start writing something down and then not continue, it never goes anywhere. I've got this is was part of the question. I've got uh, like the first three stanzas of a story poem in my archive that's about um, like a medieval French lord who was very it's uh, actually like a actual, mm. like a medieval story and he was you know, very petty and always complained to his to, uh, to his uh, liege lord and I because I read that you know the documents from that time about him and then I I found it was really like a funny story you know like darkly funny uh but yeah, I never continued, and I really like. I think there's great potential in it, but it's been so long. But you might, because I do find something sometimes like drafts or half poems or stories, and then I like when there's the right time, I actually think that you know, oh my god, this is great, I could continue this, and then it actually turns out good. And I do that, as you said, because sometimes I have like ideas, but not necessarily. I mean, usually they come to me, I, I pour them out and then it's done. But sometimes I have a theme in my mind. I know um, that I want to write about this and I start a couple of lines and then I'm like, okay, it's not, I don't, I'm not in the moment yet. I think there has to be something that brings me to that. And it usually does because it's like an open page in my mind uh, and then at one point I completed but actually there's something I was that's so funny because I have to get them out right away but with this I was like thinking for half a year now that I want to write a poem about dogs I just love dogs <laughs> and I feel so strongly for that it's a very strong love it's a love poem but um, I never really got the chance because I'm like okay I'm not in the moment yet like it has to be something the moment of peace dog love <laughs> love yeah exactly 
has to explode the in you. The canine maximum point. Exactly. The climax <laughs> of that, like, God love. <laughs> um, a couple of things ago, I started. It's, like, I think four lines, but still needs some kind of, like, some more... Like, it's not going because four, four lines is also fine, as we talked about, like, or even two words, but it's, I still feel like it can be stronger, because I feel much stronger about them. I think that both things, um, sometimes I really do need to get something out of my system, but on the other hand, I've got an, a, a box, I've got a box full of ideas for poems at home, and, um, yeah, but now it's pretty full, but even when I finish a poem, I usually just give a slip of paper back into the box because I never know it may turn to something else mm. at a different point in time, and I really like to do that and keep it neat and tidy that way. Mm. I don't know who it was, but I once saw like the manuscript pages of a quite famous poet, and he... Uh, he wrote his poetry on like hundreds of tiny slips of paper, which he always kept rearranging and then numbering and doing lines. To, like, to, and it must have been like a terror to edit them or for his editor to go through that. Because, like it's like hundreds of pieces of paper, like all strewn across the floor. Thank God we have computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the Dickinson, the Olsen, they wrote her poems on envelopes. So there are even books filled with those envelope poems out there. And I've got one at home, it's amazing. Is the book also, like, are the pages made out of envelopes? No, sadly no. <laughs> that would be great though. <laughs> I mean, a bit but wasteful it's maybe. Thick and heavy so that yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. Is there a poem you regret writing? Or regret not writing maybe, also? Dog poem. <laughs> the dog poem, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can't yet say that I regret not writing some of my poems because I met, might get round to writing them eventually. And you know, so far there's not a single one that I really regret. I, I have to admit that, that I once tore a poem apart um, just because I felt that a, it wasn't good. B, it wasn't really necessary. Yeah, that yeah, those are weird reasons, but no, that's that's a, that's good reasons. That's perfectly fine reasons. <laughs> okay, thanks. So. I think it's about how much it resonates with you too. Like sometimes I, you write something it doesn't. I want speak to, to forget about that particular moment that I wrote down the poem. That's why it was. Yeah. I, I also agree there are definitely better and worse ones, but I would like to keep them all just because they're a part of me, in a sense. There certainly are a few quite horrible ones for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, um, I, I get that, uh, but, but by the way, this is weird, but I've got a poem by the home that starts with of all the things I did not write, I do regret but one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I really can regret either writing or not writing poems in that I I sort of the concept of regret just doesn't fit with how I see that. Like there's um even for the you know aforementioned terrible poetry I wrote in my mid teenage years, <laughs> like I still I still have 
a lot of that. And I don't... I feel like it would be wrong for 24-year-old me to be too judgmental of 15-year-old me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's definitely a sense in which poetry is all part of you and it's kind of worth keeping the path to see what the path was like. But, yeah... So, yeah, as I say, I don't really think I can regret in that sense. Speaking of regret, <laughs> have you ever written a poem for or about somebody and shown it to them and how did it go? Yeah, I wrote one for Olivia because she was my, what was that game? Secret Santa? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wanted to write her a poem about her and I... <laughs> Uh, gave it to her in a little like bottle type of thing. I like rolled it into a small like what do you call it? Piece. Scroll. <laughs> scroll. Yeah, scroll exactly, and put it in a, a tiny <laughs> bottle. And she was very happy. She loved it. Yeah. I think that's. Uh, that was very good. Definitely experience. a present. A present. Uh, would appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I wrote an epic poem and also illustrated it for my parents' wedding. Oh, that's nice. That's cute. Yeah. In German? No. No, in English. Good. It was yeah. only it would have been surprising for me yeah. for you to write in German. No, I don't write in German. No, it was always yes, it was in English. Mm. And um, there are a few other poems I wrote about people that I haven't shown them to the people. This one I probably should finish and show Carrie. So Carrie, if you're listening this to this, please remind me that I need to finish this poem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she will. She will. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've actually several times written poems about people I know and to people, and it's always been fine. I mean, I... Um, the... Um, I mean, it, it, well, there's sort of more interesting story on this. There, there was the, uh, like, during the aforementioned, repeatedly at this point, angsty teenage poetry phase, um, <laughs> there was, um, I mean, I used to, and actually still do, uh, I tend to, like, post my poems online, um, and, like, some of them are, like, very explicitly about someone, and if it's, and if it's that explicitly about someone, I would usually, like, say it and, like, show it to that person. Um, but yeah, the romantic poetry, I wouldn't tend to do that. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a, there was definitely a point in high school where I wrote a poem that was about someone, um, like, not explicitly, but, like, implicitly in how I wrote it. Um, mentioned it to someone who wasn't that person, and the person it was written about found out. So that was very awkward. <laughs> um, um, that was very awkward indeed. But, so yeah, so, unless it's a romantic poem, and I have hardly written any romantic poems since I got out of my teenage years, <laughs> um, then I do, I do quite like writing poems about people I know and as a way of, you know, expressing who they are and what that means to me. And I think it would actually be a very nice thing to do. Mm. Do you give them as presents as Ellie did? Oh, uh, I don't think I've ever given anyone a poem as a present. Maybe I should do. Mm. Um. I've, been, I've been thinking about uh, what I want to do for my next birthday. If you're coming to my party, you either need to write a poem and bring it along and read it to everybody, or you need to buy a small book of poetry. 
<laughs> so you can really can you can get yourself out of uh, spending money by writing a poem, however bad it may be. Just any poem is fine. <laughs> I should find you that book I told you about. I don't know if they sell it in Austria, but I mean, to get it on Amazon. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> hmm. Let's see. All right. Now that I've uh, <laughs> spilled the beans on my on my my birthday wishes, which <laughs> is will you be inviting the podcast listeners? <laughs> I think this is like an issue, like the the Facebook parties that were famous a couple of years ago. I don't think it's such a good idea. <laughs> Expect personal invitations. <laughs> All right bit self-indulgent, but I think that's how we started, that we started with uh, <laughs> with egocentric poetry and uh, then we ended on me talking about what I want for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, where can the people find you or your work on the internet if they want to find your poems, uh, love poems and otherwise? Um, I actually stopped publishing my poems, but I do have a blog where I wrote um, about my travels and some of my poems are in there um, and it's already linked in the description. Go and put it in the show notes again. Yes, um, and I do have an Instagram page which is also not very active, but um, I like to discover secret cafes, coffee houses generally around the world, so if you'd like to check that one out, go ahead. I think we will write it down as well. I will. In order to hear my poetry, you have to come to the universe. I Nice plug. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I do have um, Twitter and Mastodon accounts, both of which are at Jubal Barker, but I can give you a link for the show notes. My poetry um, on the exilian.co.uk forums, there is uh, basically an archive of most of my poetry going back right through to angsty teenage years um which nice. you can you can if you want to slash if you dare you know, <laughs> venture into uh yeah again i can send you a link for the show notes yeah there's a um like poetry and artistic writing section on the forums which has that awesome oh and the anthology right oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well but actually uh, all i've got the anthology is prose so yeah. um, the anthology is always in the show notes Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you can always find me on Twitter as usual. And for my poetry, you also need to come to the universe, like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> this was episode 23 of the Universe Podcast. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more of us, make sure to subscribe to the Universe Podcast wherever you're listening to it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review to tell other people what you think about it and help them find the podcast. And tell all your friends about it. Comments? Questions? You can reach us on Twitter, we're at PodUniverse, on Facebook, or on our email address, podcast at universe.univ.org. This podcast was edited and hosted by Leonhard Engelmeyer. The guests for this episode were Felipnaz Kavalje, Florentina Jungwirth, and James Bailey. I hope you visit this planet in the universe again. In the meantime, stay safe in space. Thanks for listening.